Don't Wreck Yourself features words and situations that are not appropriate for young listeners. This show is only for adults and unsupervised juvenile delinquents of exquisite taste and refinement. Each week, Matt and Ryan look into claims they find online, answer your questions, and say bad words! Now your way is the only way, and my way is the only way to Fill the space between a hard place and a rock is all we do but we'll entertain the conversation that leads us to the truth. What do we know? A trips to telephones that are no different to you. Welcome to Don't Wreck Yourself. My name's Ryan Placetti, and I am here to disentangle you from the Gordian knot holding a 16-ton safe over your head. Put there by those bastards at the internet. Uh, and I'm Matt Sansing, and I'm happy for what appears to be a mountain of corrections on your part, Ryan. <laughs> we are we are starting off with some old business. My cousin Frank has pointed out that in episode 28, the Gordian Forget-Me-Not, I stated that QR codes are machine-readable only. But he pointed out that there are apparently some very special nerds out there who understand the patterns of bars, spaces, and squares that represent certain characters. It huh. should be noted that Frank works in packaging. Because he, Can he just look at a QR code and know where it's supposed to go? I think that's what he's implying. Okay. Which is a pretty impressive superpower. Uh, yeah. I for feel like, like a yeah. grocery store clerk or... Can you also read barcodes? Yeah, exactly, right? He can. <laughs> he can. <laughs> All right. So let's talk about how QR codes work real quick, since Frank's uh, claiming that these are human decipherable. A QR code replaces a barcode. It's the same basic idea. Based on the arrangement and sizing of the symbols, they are representing alphanumeric characters. A traditional barcode is going to hold between 20 and 100 characters. QR codes can store up to 7,089 numeric characters. Wow. Or 2,953 alphanumeric characters. That gives you a lot of options. Yeah, yeah. A thousand monkeys working at a thousand discount stores could recreate the work of Shakespeare in QR codes. And uh, Frank would be able to read it or know some guys who can supposedly read it, I guess. Yeah. So, yes, QR codes can be read by a human, but if you get caught, the government's probably <laughs> going to put you on a watch list because there is something not right with you. Oh, yeah, absolutely. It's definitely scary to think about these people who, I mean, do they sit around just looking at QR codes or is there a course you can take? Can you take this at the University of Austin? <laughs> <laughs> Have you heard of this new University of Austin thing? No. Is oh, it, is it, is yeah. it a degree mill? No, so it's a it's a university that Barry Weiss and like a few other people who are canceled started. It's like not accredited, but it's like an online thing. And they're they're gonna have like Jordan Peterson and people like that. Oh, but it definitely sounds like some fake classes you'd be able to take. QR code reading one hundred and one. So Frank also let us know that in episode thirty one, catch up and have some kinks. I stated that I was sure that I'd consumed Fireball, but I wasn't sure where or when. Oh, you're getting told on. You're getting told on. My uh, family. I well, almost. Frank recalls a possible occasion when that <laughs> might have happened. Sounds like he was on Fireball, too. He doesn't remember. <laughs> He's just pointing out the Fireball was consumed on that occasion. Whether or not I partook is still an open question. Some poor saps took Fireball. We don't know if you it was you. That was from what we're getting at. But yeah, we were up in the mountains uh, celebrating his brother's bachelor party. Okay. And apparently said brother accidentally poured fireball into his own eyes because he drank from a boob-shaped shot glass too quickly. <laughs> so it just, like, spilled in his face. 
Yeah, that's called that's called street justice because nobody should take shots of fireball from a boob shaped shot glass. Well, I would go ahead and say that um, having fireball in your eyes is close to the worst thing that can happen right next to fireball in your mouth. I would say. <laughs> <laughs> so it sounds like his his shot glass did a did, did him a service. To be honest with you. <laughs> Uh, and I believe we also had some listener feedback from Maurice and Diana. Yeah. So in episode 33, <laughs> we were trying to figure out the technology that, well, I, why don't you explain it, Matt? I know Maurice and Diana, I know they uh, listened together and I assumed they were sitting next to their I don't know, radio phone, 1920 style and just sitting in. I, I imagine Diana knitting or maybe Maurice knitting. I have no idea. Maybe they're, kni- maybe they're knitting two different sides to the same scarf. Oh, yeah. Who gets there? Who gets to the middle first? Who finishes first wins? Right. Well, I don't th- I, I, I don't think that's the way you do it, because I think meeting in the middle would be extraordinarily complex. <laughs> but I <laughs> almost, almost as hard them. as reading a QR code, almost as hard as reading a <laughs> QR code in, in the group text from Maurice and Diana. Um, we got. Proof that it it is actually a radio record player with Bluetooth capability. So they are living in the year 3028, not 1922. <laughs> so apologies to Maurice and Diana. How dare we assume your time period? One of the reasons why Maurice and Diana are show favorites for us is that not only do they correct us when we're wrong, but they also provide us questions to look into. But there is another source of questions on the internet <laughs> that we love, perhaps even more than Maurice and Diana oh, as a collective. I, I wouldn't so say I, that. I, I would say our per capita appreciation is much higher for Maurice and Diana than it is for our slash no stupid questions. Yeah, well, I guess, you know, historically speaking, we've probably talked about them just as much as we've talked about no stupid questions. <laughs> but but we, I do have a uh, good no stupid question that I'm just tickled to bring to you, Ryan. Um, this oh. one... This one comes from user onlyhomies underscore com. And the question is, how do people find drug dealers? Do they go around asking people for meth? Before we jump into onlyhomies underscore com, is that a website? Is that onlyhomies.com? And if so, is it anything like OnlyFans? And what the fuck are they selling? I assume it's like a friend thing. It's like only homies, man. I'll be I'll be your homie. We'll, We'll hang out. Neither here nor there. It looks like a placeholder for onlyhomies.com. Yeah, Uh, which you should definitely check out. Maybe they'll be our first sponsor. Honestly, we'll take their money. We'll take their money. We're homies. We're yep, absolutely. And we we, we're on the internet. We're on the internet. Internet. All right. We're only all right. So so only homies. I have a question. Uh, He's like he's he's asking how do you find drug dealers. My first question is, are you a cop? (laughs) (laughs) Like because because before I get into this, I want to know if I'm going to incriminate myself. And I think. What TV justice has taught us is that you have to say you're a cop if someone asks you, which I don't think is actually the case. That is 100 percent true. And I should let you know that you better believe that when you go on Shark Tank to pitch only <laughs> Mark Cuban is going to Google you and find out that you're asking about how to find drug dealers. Yeah, you nice. might. You might want to consider your future, uh, your future venture capital partners opinions of you before you continue asking these questions. Yeah, it sounds like that you're more in line with Elon Musk if you're asking this question. You know? <laughs> <laughs> but um, I would say, you know, it's an interesting question. How do people find drug dealers? Once upon a time, I was an adult male who moved to a brand new city and I kind of <laughs> I was in the same position. <laughs> I can tell you how I find drugs these days. I go to the state of Pennsylvania website. Yeah, because you, know, you, you got a medical card. I pay them. Know. I pay them fifty dollars. I do a consultation with a physician. Uh, my recent renewal, I, I went through my renewal process 
about a week and a half ago. It consisted oh. of a phone conversation that lasted about three minutes. The doctor said, hey, is it still working for all the problems that you have? I said, yes, <laughs> not only that, I also hurt my knee. And then she said, well, keep your knee elevated, continue to take anti-inflammatories, and then the medical marijuana will also help with the inflammation. And then oh. she hung up and collected $75. Yeah, I was about to say, the the, the doctors that recommend marijuana, it is 100% just a get-rich scheme. Man. Oh, yeah, I'm having trouble sleeping. Okay, I'll write you a recommendation. Like, it is just, you know. Yeah, we had a three-minute conversation in which we discussed new medical conditions. <laughs> and we found out that marijuana is, in fact, the answer. $75, $75 for three minutes, like it's like $800 an hour. It's like, it's like that, That'll pay for medical school pretty quickly. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So I, I think when you, when it comes to finding a, a drug dealer, one thing you have to understand is that drug dealers assume more risk because if they're selling to someone who is a cop, they're going to go to jail and they're going to have to get flipped. Right. Yeah. So the drug dealers, by and large, can be more selective and maybe they should be to be if they're if they're good. Yeah. Well, that's why I only use government sanctioned drug dealers. Yeah. I, I, if this was the 1920s, all you had to do was go to a dentist and they'd hop you up on cocaine and then <laughs> drill in your mouth for fun. Um, but I would say, you know, I looked into this, how to find a drug dealer, and I found a vice.com article because of course I did right, on this. <laughs> <laughs> I like that. I, I like that Matt has his Google set to vice. <laughs> yeah, right. Exactly. Exactly. Um, and from what I find, usually it's through a friend of a friend of a friend, right? Hey, uh-huh. do you know, do you know you, you get, you get referred. Um, there are still risks involved. Uh, it is it is much safer to purchase from someone that you know personally or someone that uh-huh. can vouch for you, right? They also have another, uh, if you're looking for psychedelics, a lot of cities have psychedelic societies. And what better way if you're looking for acid or DMT or any of their shrooms is just go to a psychedelic society and sit in the back and be like, yeah, I'm interested in the science behind it. And then all of a sudden you lean over to a guy with a hoodie and be like, hey, so what's up, right? It sounds like a pretty easy way to find pretty- some stuff. That's interesting. And I like the idea of actually doing drugs as part of a society because- then you have a community around you to keep you safe. And when yeah. you say society instead of trap house, it sounds better. Yeah, exactly. Right. Yeah. It's, it's like, oh, it's a psychedelic society. It's like, this is just some guy. This is just four chads talking in a circle. High as fuck. <laughs> right. Yeah. In the during the 2020 election, Washington, D.C., where I live, we voted to decriminalize essentially all psychedelics. And what, what, what that means is it is the lowest priority of law enforcement in the city. So what that means in practice is you can now text a number and they will deliver shrooms to your door. Like, 100%. nice. Yeah. Yeah. So if listener, if you're out there, let me know. <laughs> we'll, we'll talk over a signal or any other encrypted apps. Right. So, yeah, <laughs> that's as far I'm willing to go with self-incrimination, I think, which is pretty damn yeah. far. <laughs> that is pretty far. And I'll, I'll let you listen to the episode before we publish it. <laughs> oh, no, no, I'm totally I'm totally fine. I'm totally fine with it. I'm totally fine with it. Yeah. So uh, there you go. There's more than one way to build a trap house. (laughs) And I was scrolling through, I think it was on Facebook or Reddit. It it, it was a screenshot from what looks to be probably Tumblr. But it says this is, and I am not joking, an 1882 U.S. patent for a mousetrap. And it's the most American thing I think I've ever seen. And beneath it, (laughs) there's a picture of a mouse. With a gun pointed at its head. <laughs> looking lo- looking down the barrel of like an old Western revolver is what it looks like. Yeah, that's exactly what it looks like. And the revolver's mounted on some sort of wooden platform. The trigger has a has something on it pushing into it and the and the gun is cocked. So this mouse is about to get its fucking bl- brains blown out. <laughs> There's actually a lot of identifying information on this. 
The screenshot itself is kind of blurry. It's kind of a copy of a copy type thing. It's definitely been degraded through like compression algorithms. I found the patent number is a six digit number, but it was unreadable. However, the name of the inventor, J.A. Williams, is in a large font and is clear. The patent dated December 26, 1882, certainly supports the text above it, but it also provides us an exact date. And using that information, I was able to track down the actual patent. So is this real? Absolutely it is. It was filed on December 26, 1882. Its patent number is 269,766. And it was, and the inventor is James Alexander Williams. How the hell is this a patent? It's just a gun set up on a trap. Like, like what's the proprietary technology here? Uh, the proprietary technology is the arrangement of the parts. Um, so what's proprietary here is the overall mechanism and the act of using this for pest control. <laughs> it will come as no surprise that James Alexander Williams is a Texan. <laughs> this is literally a Wild West mouse trap. But if you think about it, it kind of makes sense. So let's say you're a farmer in Texas and your fields are getting are, are getting torn apart by burrowing animals. You could set up this contraption outside of the hole of, of such an animal. It comes out while you're not there. It goes off, alerting you with the noise of a pistol shooting. Yeah, that the trap has been triggered. Yeah, I was just thinking that this guy is sitting in his ranch style home. And you hear, bam, he's like, got another one, Martha. Like, I, like <laughs> exactly. <laughs> what if there's two mice is my question. <laughs> well, then it looks like what we got here is an old fashioned Mexican standoff. <laughs> <laughs> what if the other mouse has a stick of dynamite? Ooh, it's, it's, I feel like this is an Acme situation real quick. It's, it's, <laughs> it's turning into Looney Tunes real quick. Um, no, I get so once the uh, mouse has been dispatched, you have to go back out and cock it again. Right. Yeah, automatically I mean, it. you'd have to go. You'd have to go out there, cock it, reset the trap. One of the big drawbacks of this is you might think to yourself, hey, wait, what if a human steps on it? They get their toes blown off or their ankle or something. Yeah. Well, Mr. Williams actually addresses that in the text of the patent, acknowledging that similar setups rigging a firearm to go off when somebody opens a window or door have been invented. And you could certainly use it for that, too. OK. I don't think that's a bug so much as a feature as far as 1882 Texans are concerned. <laughs> thought that tie to human booby traps was actually pretty interesting. So I looked into that, too. Ever since Home Alone came out, I think there's <laughs> been kind of an obsession that people who grew up in the in the early 90s had with the, the notion of booby trapping their own homes. And yeah, I'd heard a, a fantasy, I would say. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and I had heard that. It was illegal to booby trap your own home to booby trap your home. Yes, I, I feel like that is not illegal, nor should it be. If you kill someone, if you kill someone, then the, then you're. Well, that's the problem. Well, that that's kind of what the issue is. There's a 1971 case in Iowa, Catco v. Briney, in no. which Briney, a property owner, inherited a large farm uh, when somebody died. And after a series of break ins, uh put a steel plate over the bedroom window so that people couldn't see in. And they rigged up a shotgun to go off at point blank range. And uh, one of Briny's companions had said, hey, why don't you aim it lower so that way you're not killing anybody. You're just maiming them for life, maiming them for life. <laughs> and that's exactly what happened. A local gas station attendant named Catco had noticed the property while hunting in the area and assumed it was abandoned because the lawn was overgrown. And nobody lived there. 
So he went in there and stole some like old jars that he considered to be antiques. So he was burglaring the property, though the property was uninhabited. Just because something is uninhabited doesn't mean you have free reign to go in and take whatever you want. It still belongs to somebody. So Briny had set up this trap. Catco went back in with his friend to go find more antiques. And he opened the door to the master bedroom. The shotgun went off at point blank range and it blew the lower half, uh, lower part of his leg off. Holy shit. What kind of gun was it? Shotgun? It was a shotgun. Okay. Wow. He spent 40 days in the hospital and ultimately sued the Briny family for maiming him for life. He probably won, I think. He did win. Uh, Basically, the judge ruled that deadly force or force intended to cause bodily harm is not warranted to protect a vacant property. So things like, you know, you hear the castle doctrine a lot, you know, like if somebody comes into your home, but you literally have to be in the castle for the castle doctrine to apply. Yeah. U.S. law tends to prize human life over property when possible. So in this case, if the property is uninhabited and you set up a trap, you could go to jail or at the very least be found liable for any damages caused even to an unlawful intruder. So you and I, having... Having having both served time in the military are also pretty. I, I like how you talked about it like it's a prison sentence. Yeah, we, we did time in the army. We yeah. both did time. <laughs> I met a lot of horrible people. So <laughs> yeah, yeah, Th- that outranked us. <laughs> I, I, I met a lot. I met a lot of horrible people and a lot of really great people who didn't deserve to be there. <laughs> so yes, it was a lot like prison. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so the Geneva Convention has some like obviously. Landmines seem to be okay. <laughs> Every other country in the world says they're going to get rid of landmines, but the United States won't. And I'll give you one guess as to why that's so. Do you have any idea? Red Dawn? No, it has to do with the North Korea, all the mines on the DMZ. Oh. You know? Well, so, I, don't, I don't feel like North Korea is giving up their landmines either. Exactly. Well, ex- yeah, they're, they're, they're like one of a handful of countries with the United States that we, we, share, more in, we share more in common than we do apart. <laughs> like our love of landmines. <laughs> We we both have a vested interest in each of us maintaining our landmine arsenal. Exactly, exactly. But other pi- types of booby traps are allowed under the Geneva Conventions. However, they do have a list of 10 things that you absolutely cannot booby trap. Number one, internationally recognized protective emblems, signs, or symbols. So like the Red Cross. So yeah. you couldn't booby trap a Red Cross vehicle. Sick, wounded, or dead persons. So don't booby tra- don't booby trap your fallen soldiers. Don't booby trap their fallen soldiers. Don't booby trap people. I feel like this definitely happened in Vietnam and like in uh, Iraq. Definitely, they were mm-hmm. booby trap people for sure. But again, they weren't following the Geneva Conventions when we invaded them. They were not following the rules of war, which is as ridiculous as it sounds. Yeah, uh, you cannot booby trap burial or cremation sites or graves. So again. Leave dead bodies alone. Those are considered sacred spaces. They're, they've already left the conflict. All you have to do is bury a few people. And it, oh, it looks like you can't booby trap it. I feel like it's a loophole to get in the way around booby trap. Oh, that's what you do is you just line any field. You want to keep landmine free with dead bodies. <laughs> <laughs> can't booby trap medical facilities, equipment, supplies or transportation. Again, that Red Cross van comes into play. Ambulances, medics. Yeah. yeah. So the goals of the rules of warfare are to make war as painless as possible. <laughs> as enjoyable as possible. Yeah. It's all fun until somebody loses an eye. You cannot booby trap children's toys or other portable objects or products specifically designed for the feeding, health, hygiene, clothing, or education of children. No, no baby Bjorn go boom, right? <laughs> <laughs> 
So you can't booby trap food or drink or kitchen utensils, which is is separate because food and drink is its own bullet point. Yeah, and then yeah. kitchen utensils or appliances, except in military establishments, you can booby trap the motherfuck out of a chow hall. <laughs> <laughs> Just not the yeah. food or drink. Here's what you do, though. You leave some perfectly unbooby-trapped bag of rice next to a booby-trapped pot in the chow hall. That's fair game. You can eat the rice. You just can't cook it with my shit. Fair dinkum. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I kind of want to be a fly on the wall of when people wrote this down. and like, like, no food or drink. Oh, but the stove is okay. The stove is okay. Only military stoves. If you're in a civilian that's right. restaurant. Yeah, that's what I meant. That's what I meant. Yeah. If you're in a civilian restaurant, like if you go to McDonald's, you cannot booby trap the McDonald's. That's okay because the ice cream machine is already fucking well, what about What about vendors that have contracts to operate on military installations? Is a McDonald's on a military? Ooh, well, I'm sorry. Is a, no, I'm, Burger King. Did, Burger I say, King. did I say McDonald's? I did mean Burger King. <laughs> Or Popeyes, yeah. Godfather Pizza. Oh, yeah, that's a Herman Kames pizza chain. <laughs> Used to run it. Rest, rest in, in peace. Rest in yeah. pizza. Oh, God. <laughs> you can't booby trap a pizza unless it's Herman Kames' Godfather Pizza. <laughs> <laughs> and honestly, I, having a cultural understanding of the types of things that take place in the Godfather movies, I feel like any Godfather Pizza whether it's on or off a military base, you can rig to explode, but only as part of an insurance fraud. <laughs> it's a double whammy. You take out your rivals encroaching on your territory and you get to collect that sweet, sweet insurance. Nice, nice. But uh, you're also forbidden from booby trapping objects clearly of a religious nature. This is the one that I have a little bit of a hang up for because clearly of a religious nature. I mean, there's a lot of there's a lot of people out there that the United States would say they're religious, but other Americans would not be able to recognize. So this is really kind of ethnocentric. And you're talking about the three Abrahamic religions and like whatever is clearly religious. What if you're what if you're just some really obscure? uh, What if you're an American and you just worship your guns? Yeah, (laughs) just like this uh, J.A. Alexander guy, because he clearly is a is a is a ammo sexual. Now, what what about penis worship? Is that uh, <laughs> can you booby trap? Can you booby trap a dick? <laughs> uh, only if it's alive. You can't be a dead person's dick. Can't you cannot booby trap a dead dick, but you can booby trap a living dick. Not if it's being re- worshipped, <laughs> and not if the person with the dick is sick or wounded. So if they have syphilis, cannot booby trap that dick. Oh, thank God! Get it. That's awesome. It makes, <laughs> make, makes me feel a lot better. Well, speaking of fetishes, you also cannot booby trap animals or their carcasses. So. Okay. All you nasty boys out there cannot do. Mm -hmm. Uh, And then finally, historic monuments, works of art, or places of worship, which constitute cultural or spiritual heritage of peoples. You hear that, ISIS? You shouldn't be doing it. Shouldn't be doing it. They, they well, they're do not booby trapping they it. They're blowing it up. They're well, blowing it up. Well, <laughs> that's Geneva Convention is totally fine with that. <laughs> they're totally fine with that. Uh, because a booby trap, by definition, has to be hidden or unexpected, which is weird because it's perfectly OK to launch a Stinger missile from four miles away. I don't know the range of a Stinger missile. I'm sure that's classified. Do it. And no, I'm sure you can find it on the Internet. Dear Internet, <laughs> what is the range of a Stinger missile? I'm about to look it up. I'm, I am about to look it up right now. I know you, you can't Google the crushed depth of a submarine. Uh, you also can't Google the maximum speed of the Chinook helicopter. Uh, targeting range of up to 4,800 meters. 
Oh, 4,800 meters. You know what? I feel pretty good about my guesstimate of the range of a Stinger missile used to blow up people unsuspectingly, as long as you don't hide the Stinger missile in their house to go off when they open the door. But the, the <laughs> biggest the, the biggest issue here and the reason why booby traps aren't allowed, both in domestic law and international law, aside from being just absolute dick moves, is the possibility that they could be triggered by people who are not the intended target. That's why you can't booby trap kids' toys, because an unsuspecting child sees a soccer ball all all of a sudden goes boom you just committed a war crime yes you did and shame on you for it yep and that's and that's about all the punishment you'll get shame <laughs> <laughs> unfortunately and speaking of other things you shouldn't let children play with uh we have a question from the reddit forum explain it like i'm five uh ryan can you explain how this works to me like i'm five uh well the explain it like i'm five subreddit means you take a potentially complex question and you answer it in the simplest terms possible, as if the person learning this information is a five-year-old. Okay, well, I feel like I definitely know what what this is now. I appreciate it. Uh, So I guess uh, it it is incumbent on me to explain it like I'm five. (laughs) No, I want you to explain it like I'm five. Uh, No, explain it like I'm five. Like, have like a speech impediment. (laughs) Well, no, you need to explain it like you're talking to a five-year-old. I know what you mean, yeah. yeah. This is familiar ground for you. (laughs) (laughs) So this question comes from username Zombies Among Us, where they ask, why is there no white laser pointer? Uh, My first reaction to this is we absolutely do have white laser pointers. We just call them flashlights. Well, (laughs) you know, no, it's different. Yeah, well, I, I think my initial instinct would be that a lot of laser pointers are being used in like slide presentations in classrooms where you have a projector projecting mostly white light onto a surface. And so you would lose the laser pointer except where it crosses, say, like the text or an image. Yeah. So, yeah, the the reason you don't have it is because it pisses off teachers. (laughs) Yeah. A laser, by definition, only produces monochromatic light, right? It is one color. If you want to create white light, you need at least three colors. You need red, green, and blue. If you wanted to create a white laser pointer, you would need at least three laser beams to produce something white uh, or, so shift, if, or shift between the three colors fast enough so it would appear as white. So it is, it is, in fact, that combination. So it would be three times more expensive to produce a less useful object is what you're saying. Yeah, it, lasers are actually more efficient. They're brighter. They're more energy efficient, by the way. They take less battery and they could potentially provide more accurate and vivid colors for displays like computer screens and televisions right um but this is actually interesting researchers at arizona state university they've actually created a, a white laser and they did this this is kind of physicsy and kind of you know it's hard to explain it like you're five but essentially what they do is they take a thin layer of semiconductor uh that measures you know like one-fifth the thickness of human hair. It is extremely okay. small, right? Um, they have three parallel segments, each supporting laser in, in one of the three elementary colors. Um, the, the device is capable of lasing any visible color, from red to green to blue, and any color in between. So when, okay. the fi- when the field is totally collected, a white color emerges. So the way they do that is it, it has to do with all color is is a different frequency. They were able to, to get a, a precise enough frequency where they're able to produce white light. So I think we've, we've answered this question in a couple different ways. Why are there why is there no white laser pointer? The answer is yes, there is. Yeah, well, That's there the, is now. That is that is the that is the answer for for your five year olds out there. That is the five year old answer. <laughs> there is. You just need to have multiple frequencies of light added together in order to produce the white laser. The utility is just not marketable and the cost is prohibitive. So I I think that you've satisfactorily provided an answer that is discernible to a five-year-old, one. And two, I think you've provided us an answer that is more suitable for a slightly older audience, which presumably 
this person, although requesting information like they are a five-year-old, is in fact probably older because five-year-olds should not be on Reddit. I was just about to say, they should. Oh, this is the only forum they should be on on Reddit. This is the only subreddit <laughs> that's appropriate for them. But uh, I actually found something else that I thought was really interesting on online. And, and it was kind of related to something near and dear to Matt's heart. So I turned it over to him and said, please explain <laughs> this to me. Yeah, so this is a, a meme. Text of the meme essentially says, Hufu, H-U-F-U is a healthy human flesh alternative, a plant-based meat product developed for vegan cannibals. The tofu product was originally marketed towards anthropology students studying cannibalism and those wanting to give cannibalism a go without actually having to give cannibalism a go. So yeah, hufu, uh, human flesh tofu, this was advertised online only for one year between 2005 and 2006. Okay. Product was said to carry the taste and texture of human flesh. Okay, so, so I guess you've answered the first question whether this is real and the answer is yes absolutely yes the second question is can i get this and the answer apparently no no so um as far as i can tell here the initial stock of 144 boxes of hufu uh sold out in just two days and the the ceo of the company which is his name is i love the name it's mark knuckles but okay <laughs> It's not, it's N-U-C-K-O-L-S, but I'll, we're going to call him Marky Knuckles, all right? Um, <laughs> he was the CEO. He came up with the concept while eating a tofurkey sandwich. And he's like, hey, how come how come we can't have tofu in sandwiches? The fact that he sounds like a mafia enforcer. He sounds like the type of guy that would booby trap a Godfather pizza restaurant. <laughs> <laughs> well, and, and, well, he wouldn't do it because he's a graduate of Georgetown Law, so he knows the legal ramifications of doing such. <laughs> yeah, so th- this guy, he, he apparently he's got no other background in food science or or marketing or anything like that. Uh, but he originally marketed Hufu is toward cannibals who want to quit, which I think is really funny. <laughs> it's like methadone for cannibals. Is this, um, like, is, is this a huge problem? Like, because I understand a lot of people are vegan because of the ethical concerns of consuming animal flesh. But like, if you're already a cannibal, it seems like a cannibal is not only they're like, not only am I going to eat meat, but I'm going to eat human meat. It seems like you've got a couple steps to go unless this is a cold turkey solution where like <laughs> even the temptation of meat could lead you to eat your neighbor. So again, this was marketed towards anthropology students and people who were studying cannibalism because they wanted to, to get part of it. But the website was was essentially a joke. Uh, Knuckles was on The Daily Show uh, during this time and where he said, uh, for a moment, you can join the fraternity of cannibals. If you really want to come as close as possible to the experience of cannibalism, Hufu is your best option. It's essentially <laughs> it's essentially a troll, right? But really funny. All right. And he also said the website was designed to provoke people and to get a reaction from them. But they sold 144 boxes of Hufu classic strips in just two days. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's just simulated long pig. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's exactly, exactly. I'm, gl- I'm glad you brought that up. Uh, they said uh, humans are just long pigs is what people have said, right? Is that how they base the flavor profile off of pork? I so that I that that is not clear uh, how they how they figure this up. I love the idea of this product because it seems to answer a question that nobody was asking, whether cannibal <laughs> or vegan. <laughs> the website did say that it mimics the texture of beef, but it was a little sweeter in taste and softer in texture. All right. So they're just kind of guessing, like, I think a human yeah. would taste like. The, the fact that you can't find this anymore, there is a hufu shaped hole in my heart. I would 100% <laughs> try this. I, I eat a lot of tofu. I 100% would give it a shot. There's no ethical implications of this. This is a little weird, but so am I. I would try this, not not because I have any any particular need for a healthy human flesh alternative. I'm perfectly fine just eating regular <laughs> humans. But I would definitely try this just for the novelty of trying a new food product. 
whether or not it tastes like human. How would you cook it? I'm curious. You know what? I would do a classic cannibal move is putting a person in a pot. So I think I'd just do like a, <laughs> a, a tofu stew, like a Korean tubuchige, which is just a, a spicy tofu soup. I would uh, I would put it on a spit and roast it on a fire like it's a cartoon. Like <laughs> <laughs> I put I would I would put an apple in it. I would carve a mouth, put an apple inside of it, and roast it over an open fire. Yeah, I think this product would be improved by being not only marketed as a human flesh alternative, but shaped into human fleshy parts. So like identifiable hands, feet, faces, that oh, sort of thing. And God. then you just cut into it. <laughs> oh, geez. Uh, one thing I do love before we close this out is uh, the frequently asked questions of this website says, we are supremely confident that our food products would satisfy the taste of even the most demanding cannibal. <laughs> So they're pretty they're pretty confident in their uh, cannibal in their ability to mimic the uh, taste and texture of human flesh. So, I mean, if you're a cannibal with a Ph.D. and a posh British accent, this is the product for you. Most certainly. All right. Well, you heard it here first, Dr. Lecter. They, they, they definitely had recipes on there. One was like liver with fava beans on there. <laughs> definitely a nod to Silence of the Lambs. Uh, well, we might not be able to Google the crush depth of a United States submarine, but I would crush the shit out of this food. <laughs> <laughs> here's a here's a question. Would you be able to booby trap the hoofoo legally speak? No, because it's food. And it's also maybe it's mimicking dead people. What if what if okay. you're what, what if it's in a military stove? I guess is my question here. You can booby trap the stove, but not if it has hoofoo inside of it. That is a fantastic question. If it's being presented as a food substance, like what if like what if you use the hoofoo to make a facsimile of a dead body? <laughs> okay. Like it looks like it looks like a human, it feels like a human, it tastes like a human. Oh boy. And then you booby trap it, kaboom, they're done. If, if it is food, by virtue of, of, of it being food, you cannot booby trap it according to the Geneva Conventions. That's what I would say. Well, that's disappointing. I, I would be curious about sex dolls. Are sex dolls, can you booby trap a sex doll? Or you like, can, say, you a can, sex you can robot? Definitely, you can definitely eat one if you're brave enough. I'll tell you that right now. <laughs> <laughs> you can booby trap your sex dolls as long as they're not edible. <laughs> 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 oh man speaking of a vegetarian product that you should consume rick reynolds noted vegetarian a fellow veg has done us the service of allowing us the use of his song united from the album portals in progress which you can find on amazon itunes and spotify every week i'm blown away that he still lets us do this so we really appreciate it rick uh we are wreck your pot on social media you can find us on facebook instagram TikTok and Twitter. Uh, we have a Facebook listening group. Please join that if you haven't already. We are on the Cast Junkies Discord server. We have our own channel there. You can find us and many other fine independent podcasts chatting away there. We encourage you to log on. Discord might be strange and new to you. Uh, you'll find a link for that Discord server in our episode notes allowing you to click it. You can interact through the browser or you can download the app. That makes it really easy. <clears throat> we also have a Gmail, rearrecordpod at gmail.com. Please send us your corrections, your questions for us to look into, your complaints and your compliments. We are thin-skinned after all. My skin's made of hufu, which is a healthy human flesh alternative. Yum, yum, yum. <laughs> <laughs> I could just eat you up. <laughs> So if between now and when next we meet, you find yourself hovering over that one-click purchase button on Amazon, and you've got your cart loaded up with a bevy of products ranging from human flesh alternatives to a <laughs> pistol-based pest control system, take pause, 
Consider your overall financial situation and maybe just check yourself. Don't wreck yourself. We are united, but we're so far apart.